defenses. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. What's good, ladies and gentlemen? We are back with another spooky season uh, uh, pick. Uh, I'm your host, Palm Reader. I'm Otis Morris, and uh, yeah, we we just uh, found this thing. Uh, <laughs> get it? Because it's <laughs> found footage. Yeah, I don't we, know. we found That's it. Bad. Found it in the awful. in the woods. Uh, it was a VHS covered in uh, what looks to be um, slime of some sort, and we popped it in. And wouldn't you know it, a full studio film somehow appeared uh, that was uh, edited. And uh, and presented as a true story. In fact, part of the film's uh, impact and cultural relevance and uh, kind of cinematic historical um, uh, placement is that it did launch the craze of found footage films, uh, especially mm-hmm. found fi- footage horror films. Its marketing presented yeah. it as a real life event that happened which sent crowds mm-hmm. into an absolute frenzy uh, and mm-hmm. people believed that there was actually a, uh, some sort of child collecting freakish witch, witch, witch lady that lived mm-hmm. in the woods in Maryland. Um, but I mean, maybe there is, but this movie, there's was- probably just some lady that lives in the woods. That's just collecting teeth for no reason. She's not a witch. She just, she just got hooked on Oxycontin one day and she's just been in the forest ever since. <laughs> yeah. It's the woman from the trailer, you know, in the, in the movie, when you meet the woman at the trailer, that's just her. She just, yeah. her oxy, mm-hmm. her oxy intake got out of control. She, she fell into a bit of meth use as well. And now she just steals yes. teeth and lives in the woods. No, of course we are mm-hmm. talking about, uh, one of the, uh, uh, horror, uh, genre touchstone films. Uh, it was released, in uh in the 90s 1999 um, yes it is the blair witch project a truly uh still scary film to this day um i watch it probably about every every year around halloween yeah uh, pear loves it so we've i feel like i've watched it like twice in the well maybe three times within the last year probably yeah well we watched uh, it it's a good one didn't we watch it together last year? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then me and Pear watched it some other time by ourselves, like not that long ago. And then last night. So I've watched this movie more frequently than any other movie in recent memory. So. Yeah. It's a, shout it's, out to this Blair Witch Project. Yeah, shout out <laughs> I mean, it's Witch. such a good movie. It it's is. Like, it's so good. It's 80 minutes long. It's like so fast it gets right to the business that you know is at hand which is we're hunting for witches and uh yeah and we get found take us to a road to nowhere yeah Yeah. the witch finds us uh it it is honestly um it's one of those movies that like it's the first time that they really uh attempted to make a um uh, uh really like the whole found footage footage thing and the kind of uh 
improvisation, improvisation, excuse me, improvisational aspects of the filmmaking mm -hmm. and the kind of clandestine, uh, almost dogma 99 type. Was that the right year? Dogma 99? Is that, did I do that? I right? think it's Dogma 95. You're talking about like the Danish dudes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it 99 or yeah. 95? Whatever. It's dogma, the, the dogma kind of guerrilla filmmaking aesthetic, shooting it on, on handheld digital cameras, on location, a lot of improvisational uh, uh, stuff happened during the filming. There wasn't really a script. It was more of a, an outline. I mean, there were scripted aspects of it and parts of it that were heavily kind of directed, but then there were other parts mm -hmm. of it where they were just like, let's stick him in a tent and then attack their tent in the middle of the night and not tell them that it's going to happen. And they just film it. And so like the actual yeah. kind of tension and terror and frustration that feels so palpable in the film is because it was actually like they were actually freaked out and actually unsure what they were, what they were dealing with. So it's, it's, um, it's a really unique ex film experience and it still holds up the mm -hmm. kind of atmosphere and tension and frustration and the, the kind of, I, I want to say like attitude or emotions in the film, they still hold and ring really true. The fact that you never actually see the witch um, even mm -hmm. though it was planned, but they just never yeah. turned the camera on the witch when they, when the witch was in the woods. Um, yeah, it, we'll it, talk about that yeah, part we'll later, talk, I guess. Yeah, we'll talk about it, but it just, it, it became so authentic and it became something that a mm -hmm. lot of found footage filmmakers or found footage films tried to replicate. I think one of the only ones that kind of got close to it yeah. would be paranormal activity. The first one, um, yeah, well, like this whole found footage thing is that like the thing that works for this one is that it is, you know, it's very improvised. The scares are, you know, it's not jump scares. It's very minimal stuff because like you are, it is designed to make you believe it is a documentary. So like, you know, if you're in a tent and you're just hearing weird grunts and like animal sounds that don't make sense especially if you're not actually seeing any animals around you know that's actually fucking spooky and then things like you know other found footage films that like they try to do way too much on camera and it's like no i think because you know if you're going around making you know a fat a documentary and you know you're you're crawling through a cave or you're going deep in the woods, you're not going to get everything, you know? You're not going to fucking have, you know, fucking Roger Deakins on camera getting the best <laughs> angles of everything, you know? Like, yeah. it, that, no, that's not how that shit goes. So, like, that's why this one works is because, like, you don't see a lot of the things. A lot of the spooky things are, like, kind of left unsaid, unseen, and it... Yeah, it just, like, builds upon dread. And, it like, you know, and, yeah, found footage films ended up relying too much on, like, jump scares and stuff. And this movie really showed that you don't need that. Like, it laid the blueprint for found footage films, but for some reason, you know, people just went buck well, wild I mean, in their own it ways. Is, it's it's the natural progression of, of genre. Can I actually, you're a, yeah. a little bit loud. You want to pull back oh, from the mic sorry. just a tiny bit? No, 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 it's all good. I'm just letting you know because uh, <clears throat> I'm looking at the wave waveforms. That's one of the benefits of 
being the person who's producing as recording and uh and it's a bit loud so um the uh one of the things that happens with genre especially in horror is that whatever the sequels are they're trying to build upon it uh or whatever or not necessarily sequels but other films in that genre you're trying to build and expand mm-hmm. upon that genre um but Blair Witch really got it perfect right from the jump and and that's one of the things that it's like well from there on you're trying to make it more impressive and as you said I love the fact that you said oh you're trying they they show too much on camera and that's the truth. Like you think about a movie like Cloverfield yeah. where it's like mm-hmm. how much stuff do they manage to get on camera during a period where there's a giant monster destroying the city? Like it's just almost yeah. impossible. I feel like that movie would have worked better as like an actual m- movie, you know, like an actual Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, that one really suffered from like the shaky camera thing. Like that's the first time I remember actually getting sick like watching a movie and I was like, what the fuck? But like the Blair Witch isn't like that because, you know, the in the movie they're trying to legitimately make a documentary. No one's going to watch a documentary when you can't fucking see anything. So like they're trying. Oh yeah, and, but, and like and- so like they also start off with a lot of very like controlled documentary style filmmaking. Like the first mm-hmm. like third of the movie is them literally interviewing people and setting the lore and building the, the world. And there's kind of behind the scenes stuff of them at the hotel and, and it works really, really well. So I guess we should say to people, um, it, the, the, the um, plot of this film is relatively simple, but it, this film is a 1999 American supernatural horror found footage film written, directed, and edited by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo, Eduardo Sanchez. Uh, it's a fictional story of three student filmmakers, Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard, who hike into the Black Hills near Burkittsville, Maryland in 1994 to film a documentary about a local legend known as the Blair Witch. Uh, The three disappear, uh, but their equipment and footage are found a year later, and purportedly this film is a recovered footage film made of the film that they found near the woods, and it was marketed as true or marketed in such a way that it was like, oh, is this true? You know, um, uh, that they found it and they don't know what to make of it, but the, the, that it was this recovered footage. Um, this film was incredibly successful, 250 million worldwide. It's the one of the most ind- successful independent films of all time. Um, mm-hmm. And it's in the top 50 most profitable horror films. Um, it, it was... Uh, and it has had huge longevity over time, uh, being considered, uh, also uh, while also being a, a box office, uh, success. It also was a sleeper hit. It had, has had many, uh, kind of resurgences over time. Um, it has two sequels, which we'll touch on a bit later. Um, but it also spawned novels, comic books, and video games. Um, and, uh, uh, um, this is the film that again was kind of credited of reviving or revitalizing and really kicking off the found footage technique in, in horror film mm-hmm. and filmmaking in general over the, uh, the two thousands into 2010s. Um, <clears throat> the plot of the movie is relatively simple. Movie starts off. As we said, the first third is a documentary 
in October of 1994, Heather, Mike, and Josh set out to produce this documentary for their school, I assume, about the fabled Blair Witch. They travel to Burkittsville, Maryland, and interview residents about the legend. They tell them, the interviewees tell them about um, different aspects of the lore, such as uh, Rustin Parr, who supposedly kidnapped children and kept them in the woods, uh, killing them in the basement by making them stand in the corner while he kills, killing them in pairs, where he puts one against the corner and one he kills, and then he takes the other one out. Um, They also talk about... uh, 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 to some fishermen who say the woods are haunted, speak with a woman in a trailer, uh, who, who they, all the locals mm-hmm. just talk about how kind of spooky the, the woods are and that there was yeah. this kind of legend and lore about the woods being haunted and there being a witch, a woman named Robin Weaver who goes missing, uh, and gets taken around by a woman, mm-hmm. uh, whose feet never touched the ground who floated the whole time. Um, uh, coffin rock where men were ritualistically murdered in the 19th century on and on and on until eventually they go into the woods and that's where the kooky mm-hmm. craziness begins. Um, Which, uh, like, and it's the thing that's so believable about it is that, like, you know, there's so much, like, folklore like this, especially in, like, America and, like, the American, like, Northeast area, like, you know, the more maritime area, like, you know, because where, like, the witch is sort of based on, like, the whole New England area, like, there's, yeah, and you have like, Ma- there's all Salem, types of witch yeah, stories, like, Salem, yeah, like, this is, you know, yeah, you have all types of stuff. Yeah, like this is classic witch zone. So it's like, you know, it's already there. It's it makes sense. It sets out like it's just it's already spooky enough. Classic and like, witch you know, zone. It's, I like that. <laughs> We're in the classic witch uh, area. Yeah, you know, classic witch neighborhood, you know. Yeah. So like, you know, like a movie like The Witch, which I'm surprised we haven't like talked about yet, like which is so you know, uh, it it goes so heavily into like accuracy and portraying like the folklore in a highly accurate, like historically accurate way. And then, like I was thinking, like even what this movie does, like you, albeit like very minimalist, it still is like very similar and still keeps like the folklore like historically kind of like correct. Like you know how there's like a house in the woods, you know the shit with like the ear and the teeth and stuff there's you know there's all types of like spooky shit you know the like and the effigies yeah, like, the the figures yeah. the made of the wood and stuff like that that's uh you know there's real aspects of of historic stuff and uh and and kind of i mean we'll get to the creation of the lore shortly yeah. um so the it, after they get go into the wood they camp for the night and they find an old cemetery with seven small cairns one of which josh accidentally knock, knocks over and uh they move around in the woods they're talking you know discussing searching for stuff and and at night they hear sounds of twigs snapping and odd sounds in the in the uh in the in the kind of periphery in, in the, the woods, woods around them. And uh, the next morning they wake up, they're a little unnerved by the odd sounds, but they're, they just are continuing to, uh, to, to film. Sorry, my cat, my cat keeps jumping up. She wants yeah. to talk about the Blair Witch. Um, oh, and, is she uh, a fan too? Well, she watched Tell it me, Grace, what's your favorite scene? <laughs> 
She watched, <laughs> she watched it with me, but she fell asleep. So I don't know. Maybe she just has a high tolerance against mm-hmm. horror. I don't know. Um, mm. The following day, they try to hike back to their car, but they cannot find it. Uh, they find themselves lost uh, and they get it's dark again. So they make camp again. Uh, they uh, they hear twigs snapping sounds in the night. And in the morning, they find that uh, three kind of cairns have been built around their tent. These these kind of structures and uh, and they realize their map is missing. Uh, uh, later, Mike reveals that he had kicked the map into the creek out of frustration since they were lost which provokes a fight between the three as they realize that they're lost in this woods and they can't figure out where they're going. Um, and uh, as they travel around in the woods, lost, they're, they realize they've been going in circles. This kind of becomes a, a main theme in the middle of the film where they're arguing with each other, the kind of losing their minds, losing their trust in one another, losing their uh, kind of grip on reality. They do find a, a, a number of odd stick figures suspended from the trees and placed on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they hear, begin hearing a ramping up of strange sounds at night, including children laughing and more twigs breaking. And, uh, and then they're, sh- they're woken as their tent is shaken and they run out into the woods and hide out in the woods until dawn. Here's where everything starts going gangbusters because they're super tired, super frustrated, upset. Um, they get back to their tent and they find that all of their stuff has been ripped apart and gone through. And there's slime covering a bunch of the equipment. And it's getting real they spooky. Slimed. They got slimed. Um, and then they cross a river. They reach to a river and they realize that they've been walking in circles. And they're getting more frustrated. At this point, they're hungry. This this is where the kind of, it becomes palpably frustrating and upsetting. Their tension is rising. Mm-hmm. They're arguing more and more. And, uh, and then the next morning, Josh disappears. And Heather and Mike search to find him. Uh, and they can't find him. They eventually kind of break down and just cry. Uh, one good thing about this film is that they really do linger on the kind of like emotional uh, mm-hmm. state of all of the people who are in this. They, they're very vulnerable and very realistic. I think that that's one of the things that makes this such a like uh, effective and affecting um, film is because of the scenes where, you know, especially the scene where Heather and Mike are just sitting with each other, rocking back and forth, weeping. Like that's mm-hmm. like really upsetting, <laughs> like, you know. Or there's like, the one scene where what's where Josh is like fucking freaking out, and then uh like Mike's telling her, like, hey, like, you know, like just let him, like, just let him like freak out. Like, like what else can like we do? Like, you know, just let him have it, like, just let him get it out. Like, which is, you know, of course, like if I was lost in the woods with no food, not no cigarettes, like even that, that's like a point of like contention there where it's like we have no cigarettes like fuck like that's that's how like on thin like yeah <laughs> just how thinly wound they are like because yeah. like anything like you know something that's like a cigarette would just be so it's just so nice especially if you're just lost in the woods that'd be so fantastic but you know every little thing that you don't have every tiny thing that goes wrong is the biggest thing that can like go wrong like yeah and they every say, problem is hell they say <laughs> that when you do get lost like you know there's certain things that you need to do certain things you need to follow and you need mm-hmm. to kind of make the best out of the situation you have and stay calm but these yeah 
because of the paranormal undertones. I mean, if I heard children laughing in the middle of the night in the woods and then my tent shaked and I had to stay up sitting up against a tree if, until morning, I would be, uh, mm, yeah, it would be pretty tough to be yeah, around. You'd me. be on edge. Yeah, I'd be you'd on say. edge. Um, so that night they hear Josh's agonizing screams and there's, they uh, come out of their tent and shout back to him and he just keeps screaming and screaming, but they kind of think maybe the screams are a trick to draw them out of their tent. So they decide to stay in. And the next morning they find a bundle of sticks tied together with fabric from Josh's, Josh's shirt. And upon opening the bundle, there is a um, blood uh, hair teeth. Uh, what looks to be a finger. Um, just a collection of body body parts or bodily uh former body parts uh yeah is just, that what it is is it a finger i always thought it was like like an ear or something i i'm not sure not exactly what it sure. is i know that there's teeth and hair and a lot of blood and then yeah i definitely know there's teeth on on the wikipedia it says that there's a te it's teeth hair a finger and a large piece piece of tongue but i don't i don't know okay it's yeah just, i see the tongue okay yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like probably. uh it's kind of like just a collection of gore and bits. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's gross. Then you have the, uh, they're distraught. They're upset. You, in the evening, you reach the uh, famous, as we're reaching the crescendo of the film, crescendo, sorry, uh, uh, the famous uh, Heather recording herself, apologizing to Mike and Josh's family and, uh, and her own family. And the uh, I'm so scared where she's crying and fogging up the screen and her glasses and snots coming out of her nose. She takes responsibility for the predicament because it was her idea to make the film. And, uh, and then we get to the final piece in the uh, dilapidated and broken down home in the middle of the woods where they hear Josh's cries and follow them to this abandoned house that's covered in um, kind of demonic and occultist symbolism, uh, uh, bloody mm -hmm. handprints on the walls, uh, uh, markings all over the place. And they walk around the building trying to find him going upstairs, going downstairs. Uh, and, um, and then they split up and uh, Mike goes into the basement and he's, he's uh, attacked um and heather hears him following him and follows him down hears him screaming is he screaming or is he moaning or something and uh and she goes down to the basement and we have the final uh and the ending of the film the final shots of the film where she captures mike standing on the corner facing the wall she calls out to him and then suddenly you hear like a like sound of like something crushing bone and mm -hmm. and uh, the camera falls and the footage ends and it's a callback to the story that they heard at the start of Rustin Parr, the hermit who lived in the woods and kidnapped the children and killed them in pairs, as we brought up earlier. Uh, and he was supposedly under the influence of this witch woman of the woods. Uh, and uh, and then it ends. Um, a lot mm -hmm. of the lore of this film, and, and it's a very tight, succinct plot. There's not a lot that like we could go into... Uh, and we we will talk about some specific scenes, but um, mm -hmm. the plot is fairly straightforward. They're making a movie about a witch in the woods. The first third of it is them doing interviews and setting up the lore, exploring the kind of uh, stories and things that they that people have heard. Then they go into the woods. 
the woods becomes this kind of otherworldly maze and they start experiencing the things that were mentioned in the stories culminating in this house in the woods supposedly belonging to Rustin Parr who was an occultist and possessed by this witch um and, and fun that's, stuff. Yeah, fun stuff. And but it never in the film do you see the witch, even though there was supposed yeah. to be a scene where the, you did. Um, and some people say you can see it briefly as the camera moves. Um, that's debatable. Uh, I don't know. That's debatable. I, I don't know. I I I try to pay extra attention every time at that scene, and I never see it. Um, for those who don't know, we're talking specifically about the scene when they're awoken in the night, and their tent starts getting fucking shaken and rustled around, and they just book it out of the tent. Because, as we mentioned earlier, this film was heavily improvised, so the three actors did not know that that was going to happen that night. So that was legitimate terror of them running out and just running away. Now, there was supposedly the witch is standing somewhere along the pathway that they ran down well and they, but, they you do, know they since do they're running <laughs> no they do react yeah because you like, hear her because she's like what the fuck was that what the fuck was that well yeah but the like, dude the dude yeah. turns like they're running and the dude turns and goes what's that and then she's like what the fuck is that and they start running yeah. so like there was something there but in their actual fear mm-hmm. they didn't film it and in in a, yeah. in a amazing turn of events that makes it more scary because yeah. like I feel like if they had looked and seen somebody in witch makeup standing there being like, you know, that would have been like spooky, but it's kind of scarier that this mm-hmm. omnipresent uh, witch of the woods who is cursing them and affecting them and hunting them is never seen. Like it mm-hmm. makes it more um, yeah. almost realistic. Like that's, I want to say like, because in real life, you know, it's it's I always say this like I would be scared I, I I'm more scared of the idea of like being watched or or being kind of like stalked than I am of somebody coming up to me and being like hey man because if somebody rushed me I would just push them down you know what I mean like yeah. like if there was some kind of like entity that was that was attacking me then it's like yes i would be scared or but it's physically in front of me the idea of something that's kind of omnipresent and watching you and always around and like and and controlling the situation and stalking you is terrifying to me so to me it makes it far more effective um and realistic yeah and like that's a legitimate like fear that i have too like Here's the thing. One time, me and Steve were hanging out one time at our buddy's house, and we were walking through the forest behind his house when there's like a pathway that goes through it. And like we had like a Blair Witch situation where we're just walking on the path, and then me and Steve at the same time like look to our left, and there's like just this was like this white figure just standing there, and we were both like, What the fuck? and just booked it. But we both saw it and we both like described the same thing to each other. And like, that's how terrifying it is. Just like seeing something in like your peripherals. I'm sure but in reality, maybe we were just stoned and saw like a weird looking tree or something that we never yeah, or saw. Maybe there I don't was know. Like a, maybe it was just know. somebody walking in the woods or 
or it could, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe it was a legit freak in the night. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we maybe you found our own witch zone, yeah, dude. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe yeah. it was a ghost. Maybe you saw. Who knows? It was fucking like, terrifying, though. <laughs> well, it's the same for me. Like there was a time here a couple of years ago where I was, uh, where my mom was in the living room upstairs, and the way that mm-hmm. we have a large window, like a, a big. I don't, don't think it's yeah, a big yeah. window, but a big window in the front of the house. And um, yeah. there's a pine tree that's between there and the, between the, on the lawn, between the road and the window. So people can't really see in, like when you pull into the house and to the driveway, you can kind of see if the lights on or people are in there. But my mom apparently looked up and there was someone just standing there and then they went away. Um, and, and my mom was terrified and I was terrified too. Cause like, that's weird, right? Like that mm-hmm. there was just some figure standing there. And then when she shouted for me or when she looked back up, she like turned and shouted for me when she looked back over, it wasn't there. And so maybe it, it could have just been like a, a, someone coming to knock and ask if we've heard about the Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, you know, like could have been anybody could have been a, someone who was at the wrong house who looked in the window and realized, Oh, this isn't where I'm supposed to go. And then walk to the next house or whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be malicious, but the idea of like being watched or, or kind of stalked is even scarier than if somebody had just knocked on the door and you opened up the door and he was like, Hey, does so-and-so live here? And it turns out you're, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it makes it so much scarier. So to have this film where it's like, there's this kind of ambiguous unknown antagonist creature who's making them lose their minds in the woods and picking them off one by one is freaky as hell. Yeah. Just good, just good stuff. Um, (laughs) The, uh, the, the uh, screenplay. So they, they uh, Kim, the directors came up, conceived of the fictional legend of the Blair witch in 1993, many years before the film uh, was made. Um, and, uh, that gave them a lot of time to come up with a kind of lore and develop it. They, the f- screenplay for the film was only 35 pages. So in filmmaking, um, usually they say it's about a, a minute, a page, um, with, yeah, that never really ends up the same. <laughs> no, not, but, not, it yeah. do- doesn't really end up the same, but because oftentimes they have like condensed action scenes that they parse out later or whatever, but just as far as like dialogue and stuff like that, it's usually gets Mm -hmm. out to be about a minute a scene, um, a minute, a page. This one was only 35 uh, pages long um, with the dialogue uh, all to be improvised and directed by the director's kind of come up on the spot with the backbone of the film being the 35 page mm-hmm. screenplay. Um, yeah. They uh, casting I, called. I for, feel like the actors just like, were just basically just playing themselves like in the situation. Like, I don't think they really had much sort of backstories to themselves. Like, cause there's not really much backstory to the characters. No. Like, no so like you you quickly only meet them like right away at the beginning and then yes and then yeah i imagine a lot of what they're just yeah and which seems probably legitimate because i don't think the production of this was you know the greatest maybe Uh, it was i don't know well it was the entire film was uh 
Productions was in 1997 for eight days in Maryland. Um, 20 hours of footage was shot. It was it edited down to 82 minutes. Uh, the uh, original budget was um, 35 to 60,000, but the final cost was about 200 to 750,000 after all the post-production edits and everything. Uh, 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 everything was finished uh, in post uh, it premiered at Sundance film festival um, and the marketing campaign listed the act actors as missing or deceased. Uh, it had a great run at Sundance artisan entertainment bought the film's distribution rights and uh, it had a limited release in July and then uh, became a uh, wider release uh, in the, and was critically acclaimed uh, though the audience reaction at the time was kind of split. It did really well, but some people couldn't really handle the shaky camera and the way that it was put together. Um, and also because they said that it was real and a lot of people believed it, they had a website set up that was kind of like the first, uh, one of the first interactive, like, um, AR, you know, uh, it was they set up the website like it was a, the website that they had set up for the for the documentary oh, for that like they the were actual yeah, for, movie yeah. and it okay. had all the lore in it and it had all the stuff and then it had a page about how now the filmmakers are li- missing and and this was it was from their parents and they were looking it was it was very well done um of course, the the uh, casting call was an advert, uh, advertisement in a backstage magazine, um, and Donahue, Williams, and Leonard were cast playing uh, uh, versions of themselves within the film, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, and then they were ostensibly purported as missing after the film came out, and. Um, uh, uh that's the whole mystery of the film i remember yeah like i remember very much it being divided because i don't know why but i very much remember my mom going and seeing it my mom coming home and being like well that was dumb i was just like huh and they i didn't see the movie until much years later because you know i was only like six at the time so uh yeah i just remember i just always remember the blair witch being a thing like i was like cognizant of its existence as a child and was aware that it was like a cultural phenomenon sort of because of how it was marketed and presented um yeah it's it 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 came out i i think i i don't i didn't see it in theaters but i did see it in the early aughts and even by then the kind of mystery around it still was still kind of there. I think by the time we reached, you know, us, our time in university, it wasn't so much of a mystery anymore, especially because of the sequels and, you know, all the stuff that came out of it. But that was definitely a, a major, um, uh, a major uh, part of the, the whole kind of aura around the release of it. Um, the uh, uh, one of the things that I read in my research about it that that was problematic for the actors in it um, were because they used real their real names in in the film. Yeah. Um, they had a hard time 
finding roles and and being in other films um the uh, according to the filmmaker's commentary the unseen figure that donahue is shouting at us she's running away from the tent is the film art director ricardo moreno uh wearing who's wearing all white uh with white mm. stockings white pantyhose pulled over his head uh and that was supposed to be the blair witch but the cameraman forgot to pan to the left and uh and that's the uh yeah they were too scared and didn't didn't pan pan to the, the left i mean there's a bunch of trivia about this film yeah i think i think, imagine you like they actually got it and like you could like just tell that it was like a dude in like white clothes so like i feel like it's it's just better how they did it like it just makes more sense that way and the thing about the actors not being able to find work, I just find that weird that they, well, I guess maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I find that weird that they couldn't find work because it's like, if you watched this movie and was like, oh, I believe these people are actually fucking dead. Is that not a testament to like their acting ability then? Like, I don't know. If you found out that the people <laughs> that were so good at acting and convinced you they were dead... Would you not be like, yo, let's hire the dead people. They're so good. Like, I don't know. That just seems like just dumb <laughs> on my, like, I don't know. That makes, doesn't make sense to me. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know why they, uh, uh, um, why, why they were kind of stricken like it, by a curse of film. Yeah. It's, it sucks that that happened that their, you know, careers, like I know, uh, Heather, she, you know, did some more acting and she's had stuff throughout the years. Um but yeah, I don't know. You would it's think that they would so you think that they would get a better a better chance at uh 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 kind of a career off of a film that did so yeah. well, but I, well, I guess if- I mean the guy that's that plays Josh, he he's an actor, he has a whole career, he's a writer director yeah so he's had a fantastic career so oh yeah i guess he has yeah. he's been in i mean i wouldn't i don't know if the shaggy dog uh well I mean, some people like it i guess i don't know <laughs> um cool. i mean he's working <laughs> yeah. he's working he's working so, like, I, I guess, guess. That's, that's you can't complain about that money uh uh you know uh what do, what do they say I don't even know what I was saying. One one of the cool things about this film is, you know, when they did, uh, uh, let, let's we can kind of break down the uh, uh, development of it. The Blair Witch Project began in 1993. Um, Daniel and Wardo were inspired to make the film after they found uh, realizing that they found documentaries on paranormal phenomena often scarier than traditional horror, horror films. They wanted to make a movie that combined the styles of both. Um, they, uh, 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 started hacks and films, uh, and, uh, they made their 35 page screenplay. Um, and, um, the, when they brought in everybody, they said that this would be a completely improvised feature film shot in a wooden location. Um, they posed some very odd questions to the people who would uh, would be the actors in the film, including, you've served seven years of a nine sentence. Why should we let you on parole? Um, and uh, uh, Joshua said he was cast due to his knowledge on, of how to run a camera, um, as no omniscient camera was used to film the scenes. It was all done in hand. Um, the... Uh, 
Pre-production began in 1997, um, and uh, they developed the mythology behind the film using many inspirations. Several key character names are anagrams. Ellie Kedward, the Blair Witch, is Edward Kelly, uh, a 16th century mystic, and Rustin Parr, the fictional 1940s child murderer, began as an anagram for Rasputin, the Russian uh, occultist slash... um, uh, advisor to child the Tsar, child, yeah, freak boy. That guy's a freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. From the song, The Sex Machine, apparently had a huge penis. Um, the Blair Witch uh, is said to be the ghost of Ellie Kedward, a woman banished from Blair Township, later to be Burkesville for witchcraft in 1785. They incorporated that part of the legend along with allusions to the Salem Witch Trials and uh, Arthur Miller's play The Crucible uh, on to play on the themes of uh, injustice done to those who are classified as witches. Um, there was also, you know, uh, influences such as In Search of the television series, Doctor or horror documentary films, Chariots of the Gods, and The Legend of Boggy Creek, Legend of Body Creek, Boggy Creek, and Chariots of the Gods. Slap. And those are a mouthful. Um, plus The Shining, Alien, oh. The Omen, Jaws, you know, um, uh, Jaws being a major influence because the film hides the witch from the viewer for its entirety, mm-hmm. increasing the suspense of the unknown. Um, they also created some yeah. documentary footage uh, and newspaper and news footage for the uh, marketing of it to kind of position it as a true story. And uh, during filming, they uh, they filmed the found footage on a high camcorder. Uh, they were sh- they went to Seneca Creek State Park in Montgomery County, Maryland. Um, some of the mm-hmm. scenes were filmed in Burkittsville. And some of the townspeople that were filmed were not actors. Some were planted actors, unknown to the main cast. Um, but uh, the uh, uh, whole aspect of filming day to day, the actors were given clues through messages hidden inside 35 millimeter film cans left in milk crates that they would find using a GPS system. They were given in- individual instructions to help improvise the action of the day. Uh, and then they would go out and film for the day and film the story. Um, the uh, uh, So a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie, pretty much all of it, is just information they're given early in the day, and they just went out and filmed and improvised over and over again. And out of those 20 hours of footage, they managed to cut down into a mm-hmm. lean 83-minute film. Um, yeah. So, like, things like, I'm just, like, going to take a stab in the dark here. So, like, I imagine things like them, like, you know, losing the map. Like, that's probably somebody came along and was, like, just took the map. Or, like, the thing where the one guy, you know, admits to, like, getting the map away. Like, I imagine he got that direction and there and somebody told him, like, okay, you're going to confess to fucking hijacking the map and but just, not you right know, away. getting rid of it. But yeah, it'd be like, okay, so at some point today, you're going to confess that to the other two. And the other two are left in the dark about it. So their reactions are probably legitimate. Like if, you know, like, because they're staying in character the whole time. So they're actually, you know, if you were going along the woods and some dude's like, yeah, I threw the fucking map into the fucking, you'd run up to him, try to punch him in the face. (laughs) That's, that's the most accurate reaction you could do at that moment. And like, you know, things like I'm sure when Buddy dis- when Josh disappears, I'm sure the other two weren't told about that. 
they were, they probably told him like, okay, just dip in the middle of the night or whatever, yeah. just dip out. And then the other two were just like, wait, what? Fuck. Like, yeah, seriously. It's, it's, honestly it's just us kinda, now. It's honestly kind of like they were putting them through like an intensive, uh, uh, kind of like, hor- or like haunted house or something. Like it's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's like one of those fucking haunted house nows where it's like, Oh, we're going to put you into a body bag and like beat you. And you have to sign like a waiver and then we'll waterboard you. And it's just like, well, that's crazy. <laughs> just put me into the woods with two people. I don't so, know. And make us play sorry. a game. I just that sounds like, terrifying. I like the fact that you said they were going to put you, or we're going to put you in a body bag and beat you. And then you sign the waiver and then we waterboard you. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the waiver is signed before all of the beatings begin, but you know I some mean, people yeah, are real. No, I know it's, I'm making a joke. Um, the one uh, fun fun thing about this film is filming concluded on October 31st, Halloween. Ooh, spooky! Ooh, spooky. Right. Um, so you know, imagine like I I don't think Maryland's very you know warm in October. I imagine it's probably got like a similar you know it's probably a bit warmer than here, but still not like a. It's not camping climate, especially late October. That's not a camping climate. Like, unless, like, you know, you're a camping, you're one of those freaks that just does that and lives in the woods. Like, no, that's not primed camping time. So, like, then, like, getting uncomfortable, getting wet and stuff, whether, you know, that's it, that whether that actually happened or that was just, like, you know, stuff that happened. Like, being wet and cold and uncomfortable in late October sounds like hell on Earth just on its own. Just yeah. imagine that and paranormal shit going on. Nah, dog, I'm out. Nah. <laughs> yeah, Not it's me. uh, it, it with that the whole the whole thing. I mean, it's amazing how they managed to put it together. And truly, it's a scary film. Like this is one of the the movies where it's like, this is an actual bona fide scary film. It's mm-hmm. it's upsetting. It's unnerving. It's tense. There's real scary kind of high. Uh, high strangeness moments. There's real, like the fact that there's not a whole lot of gore, but there is that one scene where they open up the thing and there's teeth and stuff in it. Yes, that's genuinely upsetting. Like, can you imagine your friend goes missing and the next day you find a, his shirt uh, wrapped around his tongue and teeth in your campsite? Like, that's that's some that's some twisted stuff. And this is, and the thing about this film is that this is before, like, I mean, gore films existed at the time. And I mean, gore films kind of uh, have always existed and there's, you know, slashers and stuff like that. But this, this Mm -hmm. film really played into kind of the reality of it and used the kind of unexpectedness of certain things uh, or, or Mm -hmm. kind of seasoned it like the stick figures when they find the stick figures and, at first they're kind of excited, but then they realize that there's like hundreds yeah. of them and they're like, this is, this is not okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's like, that's how you really would feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, that's a, like stick figures like that is still creepy to this day. Like even in like true detective where they have like similar, like effigy cult thing, like it's very spooky stuff. Very like uh I don't know man if I came across a forest and there's just hanging weird things like weird creepy ornaments nah nah not for <laughs> nah, me man nah, not, today. not for me um yeah no it's it's quite the uh it's qu- quite the well put together uh a film it, it like you said it it breezes by it's a really easy evening watch 
you know you want to you want to sit down and 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 watch a horror film but you don't want it to take up all of your evening it's kind of the perfect length um and it's if it's great to watch with people who have never seen it uh this is one of those mm-hmm. films where it's like if you've if you're with people someone who have who's never seen the Blair Witch project it is a great film to watch with them uh, especially cuz it's aged so well i find like it's kind of maintained its spookiness, even though we know now that it's not real. Uh, it's still, yeah. you find yourself self still kind of believing in it when you're watching it, which is, well, is a real feat. There's, and there's also things that like, I just noticed like for the first time, like this watch through, which is probably the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth time I've seen this movie in my lifetime. So me and Pear notice that after she like unravels the bundle of sticks and like finds, you know, the teeth, the tongue and shit, which you presume is Josh's, the guy they're looking for. She doesn't tell the other dude about it. Yeah. No, she doesn't tell him. She just, she doesn't tell him. She just has that in her mind that she just unraveled a bundle of sticks with human body parts, like human flesh and like <laughs> that uh-huh. that's so fucked up unsettling too and that's like an element i just unraveled this watch through and i was like oh there's a whole other part like from that point on she's like oh we're dead like the switch is going to kill us and like she just kind of goes through the rest like the last few hours of her life just knowing that by herself she lets the other guy you know, she doesn't let the other guy know. And he so he doesn't he doesn't know that they're basically walking right into the witch that they're trying to find. You know, she knows. Yeah. She knows that they're about to find it and eat their demise ultimately. Yeah. Um, so as we said, the marketing for this was crazy. They had the newsreel style interviews, they had posters for missing students. Uh they have the kind of uh uh they are the they kind of um sparked debates across the internet on whether the film was a real life documentary or work of fiction um these kind of augmented uh, uh newsreel style interviews um the they screened some footage in the Florida Film Festival uh during the screenings the filmmakers made advertising efforts to pro- uh, to to kind of state that the events in the film were factual um, by f- distributing flyers at festivals like Sundance and asking viewers mm-hmm. to come forward with any information about the missing students. Um, uh, the campaign tactic was that the viewers were being told through missing person posters that the characters were missing uh, while researching in the woods for the mythical Blair Witch. The IMDb page listed them as missing, presumed dead in the, for, in the first year of the film's availability. Um, the website contains materials of actors posing as police and investigators giving testimony about their casework, shared childhood photos of the actors, uh, stuff from the families. By August 1999, the website has re- had received 160 million hits. Uh, that's why the USA Today said that the Blair Witch Project was the first film to go viral, despite having been produced before many of the technologies that facilitated such a phenomenon. Um, they uh, screened it at 40 colleges uh, to build word of mouth. They had trailers. Uh, the trailer and website were, le- were leaked on Ain't It Cool News. And uh, the trailer was shown before in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. 
this all led to it bubbling and bubbling and bubbling, and uh, and then it was uh, it became a uh, a wide release after the uh, midnight screening at Sundance Film Festival, and then uh, and then expanding to uh, nationwide on the thirtieth of July. Um, the Blair Witch Project is positively reviewed by critics. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a uh, uh, it's a must see on Metacritic universal acclaim. It's on the 1001. It's in the 1001 films you have to see before you die book. Uh, the found footage technique received near universal praise. It's not, although it wasn't the first film to, to use it. Uh, the independent film was declared a milestone in film history due to its critical and box office success while using that technique. Uh, uh roger ebert he gave it four stars um variety said an intensely imaginative piece of conceptual filmmaking that also delivers the goods as a dread drenched horror movie the blair witch project puts a clever modern twist on the universal fear of the dark and things that go bump in the night um uh, just overall people really liked it some people thought it was overrated uh some some people thought that it was a uh, 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 kind of resting on the found footage aspect of the mm-hmm. film and the marketing of the film. And it, it wasn't actually that scary to them. I say, did you watch the movie? It was pretty scary. I I thought it was scary. I still think there's parts in it that are really unnerving. I mean, I guess scary isn't the word. It's not like oh. a doesn't, there's not a lot of parts where things pop out. Like it's not like a <gasps> scary. Yeah, it's, it's more yeah, like a, it's this not... makes, makes me feel uncomfortable the whole time, you know? Yeah, I think that's more of the point of the movie. Like, there's no jump scares. There's no, you know, no one gets stabbed. No one gets their fucking head cut off. You know, nothing nothing pierces through anybody. You know, there's nothing. Yeah, there's not, like, anything overly, you know, crazy that happens. The whole thing is the movie is very grounded. And that's the point, is it's supposed to be very grounded in legitimate fear like okay like sure you know sure that doesn't make for a great movie but believe it or not as we said earlier if you're in the fucking woods with some if your boys or whatever with anybody and you start hearing fucking children and weird animals and grunting outside <laughs> that's terrifying nah dog no nah, that's terrifying yeah it, it, but like i get it that on film that may not seem necessarily you know the most horrifying film after you know after you've seen jason Voorhees, you know pick a person up by their hair and slash their body in half you're like you know, you're like, oh, shit. Or if you've seen, like, Hellraiser, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I've seen you be tortured by the embodiment of evil. Okay, that's kind of fucked up. You know, maybe, you know, hearing some spooky shit in a forest isn't so scary. But no, put yourself in that position, which I think the film does fantastically, which is why the documentary style worked for this film. The found footage style worked for this film because it really did put you in there it didn't you know so legitimate fears like seeing something faint in the corner of your eyes you're running through the woods that is fucking terrifying in real life well i think the thing i think the thing that's that's been at or that's uh, kind of been beneficial to the blair witch project is that it's aged really well like i think that that it as we've turned to a period of time where horror films kind of relish um dread yeah and tension 
that that there's kind of a renewed sense in in what makes mm-hmm. this film work so well because at the time and because oh, and ahead. because the found footage like genre of horror subgenre of horror got so oversaturated and just so you know just kind of shitty was, that I was people exactly going to say that that, yeah. that you know they did it so well with this one that there's a couple found footage films I really like. I really enjoy yeah, the yeah, first like, Paranormal Activity. I like, mm-hmm. I prefer... Uh, I like I the like, second one too as well. This, yeah, the second one's all right. The second one's pretty good. I think the first one, yeah. especially with the like original ending, mm-hmm. is is uh, Chef's Kiss. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, the Wreck is fantastic. Yeah, Wreck, the Spanish series, which they redid as Quarantine. Don't watch it. Don't States. watch quarantine. Yeah. Just watch watch wreck though. Yeah, wreck yeah, is Rec's incredible. Uh, Troll Hunter, which is a, a, a I think it's a Danish film or a Norwegian film, mm-hmm. really good, uh, really yeah. fun. Uh, but then you've got stuff that kind of like you know, as you above, got, so below. That one's pretty good as well. I but, like that one. But there's there's a lot of them that aren't necessarily as good, or the sequels yeah. to these films that didn't do as well. It kind of got a bit played out, but I really think that those two factors that you know. No, that's very. This one might be the best of the found footage films, and it's actually mm-hmm. like palpably emotional, and and you can feel the frustration, and tension, and and eeriness of the. And I think it has mm-hmm. to do with the kind of like guerrilla filmmaking style. Uh, I I think you are right that it was Dogma ninety five. I don't know why I said ninety nine, but that whole kind of like clandestine film on spot. Yeah. Uh, you know, very little direction. And I think that that kind of comes through in this where they they amalgamated the kind of there's a script, there's things that happen, there's places that they need to go, but the what happens in between is up to them. And I think the actors do a fantastic job because at no point do you really think, oh, these are like actors. You're like, oh, these are just kids filming. It's like it almost seems real. Hmm. Like that's why people believed it. They were like, these kids are missing. Like this is a real thing. What the fuck? Um, because it, it, you fall into yeah. believing it, you fall into, and I think having no back and this is like pre social media, like, yeah, too, yeah. like, yeah, social, like you could not put a movie out and market it out like that this today. Like, I don't like it's, you, you couldn't, I, I, I really don't think you could like people would eventually find out like, you know, yeah. very quickly. It's somebody would eventually have a Twitter thread. There'd be a Reddit page immediately being like, oh, yeah, this movie's this person. You could see this person's actually this person. They'd find their IMDb page, yada, yada, yada. Like, <coughs> yeah, if you've had, like, any social media, they'll fucking, like, find you. Like, so, like, they, yeah, you wouldn't be able to make this movie today, which, like, this thing, like, yeah, if, like, if you made a movie and then you just laid low for, like, six months while the movie went through theaters, yeah, pr- most people would be like, "Oh, yes, these people are dead." Like, yeah, then, then yeah, and then and yeah, then, it got it got you. Some it got, it got it was like a, it was half a, it was a hoodwink. People. It was a hoodwink. It got a lot of people, uh, and uh, and that aura lived with it for a long time, even after it came out that the people were alive. Like years later, when I saw it, they were still talking, which is people, so genius. Yeah, well, these people well, really the movie. Missing. Because you know? it's a movie about folklore, and now this movie itself has its own folklore about this movie. Like, it, it's really genius. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy how they create the mythology of the movie that's a movie about, like, mythology. It's pretty It's pretty cool. It's, uh, it, it, it is, it is uh, a, a, uh, uh, 
but it also there was a divisiveness. There was a a, a large group of people who didn't like the movie, mm-hmm. who thought it was uh, blurry avant-garde multimedia synergy dump that they didn't like there were a lot of people that couldn't watch it because of the found footage yeah. style that found that found themselves getting sick I, there were a lot of people see, who, i i don't f- find it that bad with this one at all like this well, one is no it different <laughs> it's no different than like any documentary like any sort of like you know lower budget like you know sort of documentary like if you've ever watched fucking anything like fucking I don't know, man, what, what's fucking man tracker where it's just dudes walking through the woods that has sh- whatever, like that has the same amount of shakiness, but then like, you know, something like Cloverfield. Yes. That is like, yeah, I can. Yes. If you could were like, yes, this is unwatchable. I'd be like, yeah, I totally understand that. Then yeah, there's a lot, but this one, no, it's not well, because think- it's grounded as it being a legitimate documentary. Yeah, and, which- it, and it's actually in the woods. There's no CGI. There's nothing. It's it, it, all of the stuff is, is, right there it's not there's not a lot of fancy stuff that's being added in the background it's not it's it's shot on the digicam and it's just presented in that digital form um but i can understand at the same time i can understand at the time because documentary wasn't as popular as it was now found footage hadn't had its resurgence yet um you know all of these things that come after this that wind up being kind of uh helpful to it found footage playing itself out or never reaching the heights that it did with this, the kind of rise in documentary, the, the uh, practicalness of the filming of this uh, and production of this film. Um, There's a lot of really good things. And then of course, as, as we were saying before, the, the rise in films that care about atmosphere and, and discomfort and tension and dread that has happened in the late 2010s with, Ari Aster and uh and and um who did the the witch how come I can't remember his name right now oh Robert Eggers yeah Robert Eggers and um filmmakers of of that kind of generation that the new horror Mm -hmm. filmmakers even to a degree um uh, another one that we love talking about Alex Garland but he does it a little bit more with a sci-fi twist or or flavor or it's well I mean men is 100 percent this very much yeah, <laughs> until and, the and, last final sequence and uh and and uh uh you know annihilation is very much a cosmic horror but it, mm-hmm. anyway the the that that kind of te- the kind of te- atmospheric tense uh, upsetting dreadful film has become more of a a mainstay in horror now so going back to this it's like oh yeah i know this i've seen the witch i've watched hereditary I get, I get what this is trying to do in a different way, but at the time that wasn't so much the thing. So like having these kind of like, you know, very practical, improvised, emotional sequences as compared to like a highly orchestrated blockbuster film. And this film was, was a blockbuster. It was huge. It was hugely popular. So like, it's kind of paradoxical and I can understand why some people would go to see it and be like, I don't understand this, but um, I mean, you're wrong. They're wrong. Who said that? Cause it's a great movie, but um, you know, anyway, a couple of tie-ins that came out after it, we had a, uh, there were some books that came out Blair, Witch dossier, uh, the Blair, Witch project, a dossier, uh, the Blair, Witch files. There was uh, some comics, uh, a one shot, the Blair, Witch project one also Blair, Witch project, dark testaments, 
uh, uh, and then uh, video games, which apparently the first video game is really good. The 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 uh, Blair Witch Project Rustin Parr or whatever it's called is uh, was a no was idea. pretty pretty well. It received a lot of praise. People critics wasn't there one that came out like recently? Mm, yes, uh, so. twenty nineteen. Um, yeah. called Blair Witch, which was a first-person survival mm-hmm. horror game, probably very similar to the Slenderman games or the, um, you know, at night being chased by something in the woods games, uh, the forest. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the forest has buildings, so that's a bit different. Yeah. But anyway, um, then there was The Legend of Coffin Rock and then the Ellie Kedward tale, uh, which were not very – they didn't do uh, uh, um very well they they were mm-hmm. considered pretty mediocre um there was yeah. a documentary on the blair witch project the woods movie and then there was i just wanted to read this because i think this is great the parodies uh blair witch project inspired a number of parody films including the hip-hop witch the bogus witch project <laughs> the tony oh, blair yeah. witch project <laughs> Okie dokie. and the blair thumb uh, there was also some pornographic films, The Erotic Witch Project and The nice. Bear Wench Project. I'm a big fan of The okay. Bear Wench Project. That's a good name. Uh, I like so that one. There was a Scooby-Doo uh, theme, uh, television special called The Scooby-Doo Project. Uh, and um, six minus five equals two uh, is a uh, uh, found footage film. Uh, that's heavily based on it. There were some sequels. Um, the Book of Shadows, which is... Yeah. Huh. Um, well, here's the thing about Book of Shadows, and is that that movie, it was written and directed by Joe Berlinger, who is a fantastic documentarian, who he did the whole Paradise Lost series, which is fantastic. He did the uh, Metallica, some kind of monster documentary which is one of the best band documentaries there is now more recently you would know him from doing a bunch of the fucking netflix stuff so all the conversations with the killer he also then did he did the the Caesar hotel thing the vanishing one about the chick and here's the thing about book of shadows is that he wanted to make a movie about you know, sort of mass hysteria and how, you know, folklore and stuff like this, you know, plays along, like sort of going along the lines of his research that he did for the Paradise Lost stuff, which goes um, uh, the Memphis, uh, the Memphis three, I forget what they're called or whatever. West Memphis three. three. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. And that's like part of the whole satanic panic thing. And like, you know, the movie was supposed to be sort of like, you know, a commentary on, you know, people's willingness to believe the craziest shit, which if, you know, I remember we, I mentioned it, I forget in which episode, but that's exactly what the CISO Hotel documentary is. It's about how fucking dumb people are and how willing they are <laughs> to just believe the first thing they hear. And that's why I love that documentary because I was like, oh my God, finally somebody's making a true crime documentary about how stupid people are that just like get so caught up in true crime itself. And that's essentially what he wanted to do with Blair Witch. But I guess 
in post-production, they fucked it all up, made it an absolute yeah, it, tur- it turned it's, into it's it, it, it sucks. Didn't work the way that they wanted it to, and I I actually mm-hmm. commend the ideas behind what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. and have yeah. have a kind of meta story about the yeah. the kind of release of Blair Witch and what it happened and what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, kind of like a it's like a metafictional horror on uh, yeah. uh on what uh, what happened when. Uh, the Blair Witch Project came out and people going into the Black Hills to uh, uh, to basically do the movie themselves. Yeah, sort of thing. and, then, like, and I think that that was a great idea. Uh, it mm-hmm. was poorly executed and obviously the studio screwed it up um, and uh, uh, they were going to make a third one, but then that didn't happen. In 2016 mm-hmm. at Comic-Con, there was a surprise trailer for Blair Witch. Um, it was The film was originally marketed as The Woods. Uh, so when people went there and they were going to see a trailer for the woods, um, they were, didn't know that it was the Blair Witch. And then at the end they had the title Blair Witch. I remember when that happened. I remember being on the internet in July, 2016 and with the day that that happened and, uh, the film is a direct sequel to the Blair Witch project, um, and doesn't acknowledge book of shadows. Um, uh, the, the it's fine it's okay look like they made Blair Witch into a tooth a 2010s horror film so it's exactly what you expect yeah you know you see the witch multiple times you the that people get lifted into the sky by the witch's powers Mm -hmm. it's it's very CGI heavy it's very impractical it's very much a Hey, let's just, you know, let's just take it up 10 notches and have all this shit flying around and whatever. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't hit the same. It, it just doesn't land yeah. the way the first movie does. And um uh, you know, if you like if you're not a fan of kind of the kind of horror we're talking about, the kind of atmospheric and very emotional and tense horror and you want something with a little bit more you know pizzazz and cgi and whatever you might like blair witch i don't know to me it was kind of boring it was like kind of -of run-of-the-mill horror film it was fine it was like oh cool we're doing this again except with like more money and (coughs) less um (coughs) cat hair in my throat sorry Mm. And less, uh, less, less originality. I guess. Yeah. I less originality, know. less improvisation, less you can't, cause you can't really improvise when there's supposed to be a CGI witch chasing you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. You can't really. So it's like, all right. So yeah, we want you to go through the woods, but we need all three of you to react to the same thing. Only problem is you can't see it and we can't really, you know, th- yeah. Yeah, I see the issue yeah. here. There's there's some issues there. <laughs> well, anyway, there is supposedly another Blair Witch movie coming. Uh, so they say, um, as of this past spring, that they are still working on a Blair Witch, uh, new installment of the Blair Witch Project franchise. There's also talk of them making a Blair Witch television series um, that the uh, Eduardo Sanchez, one of the original uh, co-directors, is working with the film's creative team, developing some kind of TV series, I guess. Excuse me. 
And, uh, and yeah, yawn. Life's been pretty crazy. We'll get to that in a second. But I think that ultimately when all is said and done, this movie is a banger. It's a very important film. Uh, it's a very culturally relevant film uh, as far as horror goes. And it's genuinely upsetting. Um, so, you know, if you want to watch something that's maybe not a slasher film, maybe that has a little bit more uh, atmosphere to it, uh, especially if you know somebody who hasn't seen it, this is a good watch. It's a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, it, it's held up really well. Um, mm. uh, it's definitely a product of its time. But I think that because of the whole story of the kids going missing and then pretending that it was real, you know, it works because that's mm -hmm. really what people were shooting on back then. And the kind of found footage documentary style really works. I don't know. The whole thing is great. I really like the Blair Witch Project. I don't know what else to say about it. It's kind of kind of just is sick. <laughs> it's a great movie. Like, yeah, no, it's truly an original thing that you know uh yeah if you've never seen it and you're for some reason adverse to found footage films uh watch this one because this one was not the first one but it was the original i guess it's the one the best one it was the biggest one uh yeah just go watch it and then you know what pair it pair this watch the blair witch project and then go watch the witch i feel like that's a fun double feature oh that would be if a you're just in the mood to just feel evil for like a couple hours yeah that, that, that's probably be, a good be a one sick double feature honestly that's because last year we did watch the witch i introduced meg to the witch and then we together all four of us watched the blair witch project uh and that <clears throat> and that was like i think the same week uh, so I can attest, yes, they are good. They go there. It is a good pairing, good atmospheric, uh, but very different films, very different films. But uh, a lot of some of the same um, kind of feelings are evoked and a lot of the same uh, ideas. It's funny that we're talking about this, talking about effigies, because next week we are uh, going to talk about um, uh, a selection of games. We're doing our video game selection here. Uh, should I just give it away? Well, I'm going to, yeah, let's just see. Well, that. I'm doing one game. I'm not doing a selection. Oh, no. Well, I've I've been playing games. the other ones, but we are going to be talking mainly about supermassive games. They're playable horror films and specifically Until Dawn. Um, but I've been playing uh, Little Hope uh, and uh, Man from Medan. And uh, and I, I want to play House of Ashes, but it, it's still like, $70 and I can't justify that but we're going to talk about those playable horror films uh and and the kind of the way that they're creating them I'm sure we'll touch briefly on the although we've neither of us have played it the quarry but little hope is about witches and is about witchcraft uh and so they nice. the effigies appeared there and I thought it was so uh coincidental because here I am about to um uh, talk about the Blair Witch Project, um, you know, play play a bit of Until Dawn, play a bit of Little Hope, and there, when early in the game, there's the same uh, stick figure effigies, and I was like, oh, see, it's really in the cultural consciousness now. Anyway, so next week we're going to talk yeah, about that. Just yeah, people <laughs> are spooked by little stick pyramids. Very spooky stuff. I, I would, oh, I right. would, if I found a bunch of them like around surrounding my house, I would be spooked out too. That's yeah. If I was I in mean, the woods and found yeah, no, thank you. 
I, keep your effigies to no. yourself, please. Um, <clears throat> I guess that's it for the film. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. We both love it. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll chat a little bit about uh, what's been going on. Uh, Otis has some some great tales of uh, of adventure from from this week. Uh, why don't you regale the the folks with uh, our friends with mm-hmm. uh, your your experiences at AEW wrestling? Yeah, I uh, <laughs> really sold that. I went to AEW Rampage first uh, AEW event in um uh, well, I guess they had AEW Dynamite the day before, which is the first AEW event in Canada. But first time AEW's in Canada, so that was cool to see. Went to the Coca-Cola Coliseum. Never been there before. It's old. It's small. Seats are very uncomfortable. That doesn't matter. Beer's overpriced. Doesn't matter. It was very fun. Wrestling is... It's stupid fun, dude. Like, I don't know. Just going to wrestling shows, it's just a fun time. I haven't been the one in five, four or five years or something. So, yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, yeah, saw a lot of wrestlers that I wanted to see, so that was cool. Got to see Chris Jericho live, that was a big thing I wanted to see. Got to see Eddie Kingston, that was sick. Saw John Moxley, which got a little closer to John Moxley than I would have thought I was going to get because I was going pretty hard on the beers, which are very expensive, very big, but they're like for it's like 18 bucks, but it's like one of those like 710 milliliter ones. So it's like basically two beers, two small cans of beer and as one big can of beer, still incredibly overpriced, but I was knocking those back. So I'm going for pisses quite frequently and grabbing more beers. And, uh, I don't know. One time I went to go grab beer and the dude at the bar was like, Hey man, welcome back. And I was like, welcome back. What? And, he was like, yeah, weren't you here last night? And I was like, no, dude. And I kind, I was like, fuck, I guess I look like probably so many people here. Just like slightly like chubby dudes with beards. It's quite a look. It's just, yeah. yeah. All, it's, <clears throat> so many dudes just look the same. There. Shout out it's wrestling like, fans. <laughs> shout out wrestling fans just looking the same for the last 50 years. Good on you. And then... uh yeah, as I'm just grabbing a beer, I turn around and there's just a man on the ground doing push-ups. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. Why is a guy doing there? And it's at that moment I realized, oh, shit, John Moxley. Because I knew John Moxley and uh, Cesaro. I forget what his name is. Claudio something. Uh, they yeah, had a those, match. For those who are listening who don't follow AEW but did follow WWE, maybe say who John Moxley was in WWE. It's Dean Ambrose. I feel like yeah. anybody that knows Dean Ambrose knows who John Moxley is. Like that's one of the biggest. Well, like he's the, the champ. So I feel like most people know John Moxley. John Moxley was also his name before uh, WWE. So I don't know. I feel like that's just a well more well-known one. Anyway, so John Moxley's there. He's prepping the, you know, for his match because John Moxley, he always enters through the crowd, through the audience. And so there he is. And that's when it hits me. I'm like, oh shit. Cause I assumed his match was going to be the main event. But it turns out he, he was was opening the show, like of Rampage. So when you get there, there's like a bunch of dark matches. 
So like they have their own YouTube show and then Rampage is only the like the hour show. So they get all the dark matches out of the way first. And then so Rampage started at like nine, nine thirty or some shit. And then so I wasn't expecting him to be the first match. So I'm just like, holy shit. And then, yeah, it's just there. And then, yeah, I was basically in John Moxley's entrance. and got to like enter with him because like he was entering through the gate that I had to actually go through. I know this all sounds very corny and most people are like, okay, so you just stood next to a dude as he prepped for a match. Like what's so cool about that? I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, I don't know. Imagine you were at a show and like you're at a, like, I don't know, you're seeing like one of your favorite bands and then your fucking favorite guitar players just there just warming up before he goes to play the first fucking song. I don't know. I think that would be kind of cool. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I thought that was fucking sick. I, I had secondhand joy for you and you said, I didn't understand because you texted me and I missed it where you said I'm in John Moxley's entrance. And I was, I missed that because I think you sent me a video right after or yeah. right before one of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and i missed it and then later i saw when you were leaving you posted the videos of you guys meeting people afterwards and then you had posted the video in the hallway and i didn't realize you were like literally standing beside him and he's like pacing and doing yeah. push-ups and you're like cheering him on it was sick i was i was happy for yeah. you it sounded seemed like a yeah, really dude. good t- a really good time Oh, and then the best thing happened after the show is that uh, just by the way that we had to go, since we took, we didn't drive fully into the city. We like drove to like Burlington and then took the train in because it was at like, it was on the CNE ground. So it's easy to get to, right? So as we're leaving to go to the train station, we realize like the train station's kind of near the back door where all the wrestlers are leaving. So like, there was like a crowd of people there. So we're like, Oh, let's just go see who like comes out. And so we ended up like meeting a few wrestlers. So we met Sean Spears, formerly known as Ty Dillinger from uh, WWE. He was cool as fuck. And then we met FTR, you know, the revival formerly from WWE. And dude, the funniest fucking thing happened. Uh, so uh dax harwood the bald dude in ftr he's going around he's giving handshakes taking pictures he comes up to me and phil and nathan and we're going to about to get a photo with him but then dax harwood looks at phil's shirt and realizes phil's wearing a fucking sean michaels shirt and dax harwood they are very much bret hart boys and this is wrestling nerd shit but if you're a bret hart fan Shawn Michaels is your fucking sworn enemy. So Dax Harwood looks at Phil. He's like, nah, man, no, no, no fucking picture for you. You're a piece of shit. Like, why would you even approach me wearing that shirt? That's fuck. That's on site, dog. And then I'm standing next to Phil. And I'm like, bro, can I get a photo? Like, I'm not even with this dude. This dude's not even my friend. And he <laughs> looks at me. He's just like, nah, man, nah, not even by association, dog. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I love wrestlers. I love the commitment to the character. It's fucking, it's yeah. It was fucking fan. I was fanning out, and it was so fun. So yeah, dude. Uh, wrestling shows. I've always said it. Wrestling shows are some of the best, best live entertainment ever. Even if you think it's so stupid on TV, go watch a live wrestling show. It is on. It's just fun, dude. It's just fun. Well, I don't have much of that. I don't have much excitement to share uh, in in my world as of right now. Uh, but I was living vicariously through 
through through your uh, um, uh, wrestling uh, videos, and and I'm glad you had a good time. <clears throat> I uh, we we I guess we'll just get to the logistics stuff. I don't really have a whole lot to mm-hmm. say, and we got to wind this down. Uh, fairly yeah, yeah. Soon. Let's just let's just lay it but, out. Uh, so we're making a couple changes to Bird Protocol. Uh, mainly being that instead of dropping on Fridays, we are going to drop on Sundays now. Uh, partially this is because, uh, we both, uh, are working now on various different things and our schedules are a bit taken up also because we want to have enough time to watch the film, play the game, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and have, uh, uh, time to research and it just works better if we're, if we're recording on a Friday night or Saturday, instead of recording on a Wednesday because of our schedules, uh, I've just started, uh, uh, tutoring English and, uh, and, am still doing the music stuff and, and working for the nonprofit I work for doing freelance. And I'm trying to keep mm-hmm. that mostly during the week and have the weekends for, uh, creating art and doing stuff and, and Otis's schedule, uh, works better this way as well for his work. So mm-hmm. we're just going to transition to releasing on Sundays. This is also going to make it easier for us to have interviews because uh, a lot of artists, if you didn't know, have other jobs. Uh, and uh, and on the weekends, oftentimes, uh, if you have a regular nine to five job, you have more time to uh, do interviews and stuff like that. So we are now going to be doing our recording on Fridays, Saturdays, and releasing on Sundays, uh, but we're still going to be releasing every week. No changes to that. And um, and I just want to say thanks to everybody who's been listening so far. And uh, yeah, next week we're going to be doing our Supermassive Games Until Dawn episode. We haven't decided on the final episode yet, but uh, we will think of something uh, quite uh, spooktacular to, to chat about um, and then, uh, we're going back into, um, the end of the year, regular, regular, yeah. regular stuff until we get to, uh, the bird report and, uh, and our Halloween pit or Halloween, our Christmas picks. Uh, so yep. yeah, so we'll, we're going to end out the year strong. We're going to release on Sundays and, uh, and then next year we're just going to keep going. Um, uh, we're getting close to a hundred episodes. Um, we're getting close to, uh, 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 five times or six times as many plays as we had at the start of the year. Uh, so everybody who's been listening, thank you so much. Be sure to give us a review, uh, follow us, you know, hit the subscribe button, um, share with yeah. your friends, do all that stuff. Uh, I guess that's pretty much it. You know, go stream on infinite repeat. If you hadn't, I'm sure Otis, you got some stuff coming soonish soon. I know we keep saying it, but within a, within yeah, a yeah. Yeah, I would say definitely within the next two weeks, I'll have something to announce. Yes. All right, finally, we get we get some <laughs> concrete time. Um, well, that's good. I'm 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 all here for it, and uh, and I can't wait to to share uh, for you to share that with everybody. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week talking about Supermassive and uh, until dawn. And uh, if you haven't seen the Blair Witch Project, go watch that because it's sick. And that's pretty much it. Uh, always remember, initiate the protocol. You can find me online at P-A-L-M-R-E-A-D-R on Instagram, at P-L-M-R-D-R on Twitter. Although, uh, as I've been previously saying, Instagram is better because I think Twitter might be going away soon. Where can they find you? 
I'm just on Instagram right now, Otis Morris Dude. And uh, yeah, any announcements, uh, if they're not on here, they'll be on there. So uh, follow. Yeah, follow. Oh, and if you want to reach us for any reason whatsoever, you can DM us on Instagram, uh, myself mm-hmm. or uh, Otis, or you can reach out to us, birdprotocol at gmail.com. If you guys have suggestions, ideas, uh, you know, if you are somebody who would like to come on the show, friend of ours, or, a, you know, a filmmaker or something you would like to talk on the show, we would love to have you on. So you can email us there, birdprotocol at gmail.com. As I previously said, always remember initiate the protocol, but I forgot the uh, social media thing. I'm tired. It's It's been a long weekend. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next Sunday for uh, Until Dawn. Peace. All right. Peace out.